day. Yes, our theme is on breathe. Everybody say breathe. That's taken from John chapter 20, verse 22 for the year 2022. A woman once told the pastor, Pastor, whatever you preach on, you must preach on breathe or breath. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. I know. She said, because I've got asthma. And I struggle just to get along, just to get over this asthma problem that I have. And she spoke with great difficulty. There are many people who have breathing problems and they realize, they know how important breathing is. You know you can survive without food for three to five weeks. You can survive without water for three to five days. But you cannot survive, you cannot live longer than three to five minutes without air. That's how critical, that's how important breathing is to every one of us. Once you do not breathe, you die. Breathing. And this morning, I'd like to share and continue to share on the theme of breathing. And we are going to learn a very important a very powerful Hebrew word. And that word is Neshama. Everybody say together, or let me say, uh, let me teach you how to pronounce this. It's pronounced as N-A-H, uh, sorry, N-A-Y, N-A-S-H-A-S-H-A-M-A-H-M-A. Neshama. Everybody say, Neshama. Say again, ne shama. Very, very important. Ne shama. Breathe on me, oh God. Breathe on me. Ne shama is actually the breath of God. Ne shama is the breath of God. Now in Genesis chapter 2, Verse 7. What does the Bible say? Oh, this verse is so powerful. And now I can just preach for weeks on just this verse itself. Don't miss it. But I'll just go quickly through it. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. Neshama, this is what makes humans human. Neshama is the breath of God. Now here we have what the Bible says that God formed man. Evolutionists would like us to believe. Evolutionists would like us to think that life begins when a single cell, a moiba, crawls out from the mud, 
split and divided, mutated and changed, evolved and grew up, quit hunting down and begin to stand on the two feet, and lo and behold, we have men. But when you ask scientists, where does that single cell amoeba come from? They have no answer. Where did that first cell that is supposedly came out from the mud, where did that first cell come from? No answer. That in itself debunks the evolutionary theory. But there is an answer. The Bible here says, God formed man. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that's how we came about. It's not too hard to understand. It's not too hard to believe. We did not evolve from a monkey. We are not an accident at all. Type in the chat group and say, I am not an accident. Amen. God is the one who formed us. And how did God form us? Very clearly it says here, form the man of dust from the ground. God formed us from the ground. You know, your body is actually made up of 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1.1% phosphorus, 0.35% potassium, 0.25% sulfur, 0.15% sodium, 0.15% chlorine, 0.05% magnesium, 0.004% iron and 0.00004% iodine. There are many other traces of other elements as well. But when you add up all these elements, if you were to sell all these elements in the market, you know how much it's worth? It's only about one US dollar. And yet, out of all these worthless elements, God formed man, mankind. And you check the composition of the human body and the composition of the earth is the same. Because God formed us from the earth. From the earth. In a very creative way, God just formed us. We are made of the same things that the earth is composed of. Isn't that wonderful? That's why when we die, the pastor or the priest in the committal service will say, from earth to earth, from dust to dust. Our body is formed of the dust. 
And when God created us, it was at first just from the, maybe from the muddy, wet dust. Or maybe we can call it as a, like a sand castle in the shape of a human being. You have seen many sand castles, you have seen the snowman and all that. We are just like that. There's no life at all. Until what? And God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Fantastic! Unimaginable! Such a creative innovation of God himself when he created you and I. He was lifeless, a statue, until God breathed. And not just God breathed, but he breathed what? Neshama. He breathed what? Neshama, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This is what makes us so distinct and so unique. How do we receive life? In the Frankenstein story or movie, you see the dead body and all those kind of things. How do they receive life? Now, that's only a movie, all right? In the Frankenstein story or movie, they will just receive a bunch of electricity. You know, powerful electricity going through the body and then suddenly things come alive. That's in the movie. But for God, the Lord God, how does He give us life? He gave us His Neshama, the breath of life. Neshama, the very essence of God that He gives to us. What makes humans human is the Neshama. What makes us different from other creatures, other animals? Is it the brain? Our cognitive abilities? Thinking facilities? Hey, animals have brains too. And some animals have the same size of brains as we human beings. And yet, they don't have the abilities, capacities of the human. Is it the blood? Hey, even at a corpse, they do have blood. The, the blood in itself does not give life. Very important element, but in itself, it doesn't give life. There's one element that is very important. There makes a distinction, a difference between life and death. And that is the breath. When something does not have breath, it dies. And what makes human beings distinct, distinct and so totally different from other animals is this part here. When the Bible says, God breathed the breath of life, the Neshama, 
into man and man became a living creature. Or in other translation, man became a living soul. Ruah, ruah. Or rather, it's pronounced with a guttural sound. It's so hard for me to pronounce that. Ruah, ah, yeah, that sounds more like it. Ruah, ruah. Man became a living soul. And these two, oh, you will notice these two go together, the neshama and the living soul. This is what makes us different from other animals because the Bible in creation, in the, in the, in the creation of God, when God created all things, it is never mentioned that God breathed the breath of life into any other things, into any other animals. It is only in reference to man. So that's why we are different from other animals. We are totally different and distinct from animals because of neshama. Only we human beings have the neshama, the breath of life from God. And this Neshama not only makes humans human, but also points to us of the relationship between breath and the living creature. For example, Job chapter 27, verse 23. It says here, as long as my breath is in me, as long as the Neshama is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, and the Ruach of God is in my nostrils. And then in Job chapter 33, verse 4, it says here, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now listen, here it is. It's interrelated, the Ruach and the Neshama, the Spirit of God, the Ruach, of God has made me. But it is the Spirit, the breath of the Almighty that gives me life. Breath, the Neshama of God. That is the one that gives me life. And in Job 34 verse 14, if it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath. Job 34 verse 14 tells us that, hey, God gives and He takes back. That's what happens at death. He withdrew His spirit and His breath. At death, that's what happens. And also in Isaiah 42 verse 5, this is what the Lord God says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to his people. He gives the neshama to his people and life, nefesh, to those who walk on it. So you find that it is the neshama that makes us humans, that makes us so distinct, that causes us to live. But not only that, neshama also reveals humankind's relationship with God. Not only are we alive, but it also reveals our relationship with God. 
before we consider Job chapter 32 verse 8. Let's go back even to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 that we have talked about there just now. It says, the Lord God. In the English translation, in the Bible, you will find verse, chapter 2 verse 7 of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the dust. Lord God here in Hebrew comes from the term Yahweh Elohim. Now whenever God is referred to as Elohim, it usually has to do with the creative acts of God. So the name of God, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, in all the creation of God, the one word that's commonly used is Elohim. Creative God. Creator. But when it comes to chapter 2, when Adam was created already, you will find that the term, the name of God changes from Elohim to Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is the covenant name of God. In the English translation, you will find it's Lord God. To us, Lord God means the same. But actually, Lord God means, you know, from, the, from the Hebrew word, is Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh, as I say, is a covenant name of God. That means, He's a personal God. He's a relational God. And every time that you find the word Yahweh in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it refers to a God who wants to have a relationship with us. Elohim can refer to other things as well. Even other gods as well. But Yahweh is a name that is reserved by God when there is a relationship with His people. So when the Bible says, the Lord God for man, He's the Yahweh God, and that's why he created man because he wants to have a personal relationship with man. And you can find it all throughout the Old Testament whenever the word Yahweh is found. He's a personal God. For example, in Psalms 19, verse 1 to verse 6, talks about the creation of God and all that. And the psalmist used the word Elohim. But the moment he reaches verse 7 of Psalms 19, hey, it changes the name of God changes to Yahweh. That means there is a personal relationship with God. Now in the English Bible, how can you tell when God is referred to as Yahweh? Whenever you see in the English Bible, in the New King James Version, King James Version, uh, ESV or any other authorized version, whenever you see the word Lord, capitalize, yeah. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The name Yahweh is referred to. So whenever you read the Bible, don't just say the Lord God. Ha, huh? okay, you know. Or just the Lord. You think that the Lord is, refers to any, to just God. Hey, whenever you hear, you see the word Lord, capitalized. He's a personal God. He wants to relate with you. For example, Abraham. In the book of Genesis 22, you know, and uh, he was called to sacrifice his son Isaac. And of course, you know the rest of the story God provided. 
And then he finally he declared the name of God is Jehovah Jireh. Now Yahweh and Jehovah, all right, uh, refers to the same. All right, sometimes we, we say Yahweh and Jehovah, same. You know, it says Jehovah Jireh, that means the Lord will provide. So personal. God is the one who will provide for all my needs. It's Yahweh will provide for each and every one of us. Can somebody say amen? Because we have that relationship. We have that relationship with God. Yahweh will only be Yahweh to those who have a personal relationship with Him. For all the others, is Elohim, Adonai, and other things. And in the book of Exodus, God revealed Himself to the people that He has just taken out of Egypt. And God says, if you will keep my commands and do what I tell you, none of the diseases of Egypt will be upon you, for I am the Lord who heals. Yahweh, again. Yahweh, God, relating to His people as the healer. And there are so many, so many Bible verses that talk about that. So whenever you see the word, you know, when you read the English translation, Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalize. That is Yahweh talking to you in a very personal way. And His promises that He's giving to each and every one of us in a very personal way and very certain way. Because He's committing Himself to us, whom He has created. Job 32 verse 8. But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. Wow. This is a very important verse. It is the spirit in man, the ruah of God, or in man, and then the breath. And this is not just the breath of life, but the breath of the Almighty, the neshama of the Almighty. And in other translation, if you read the King James Version, it does not say the breath of the Almighty. It says the inspiration of the Almighty. And that is what it actually means. The inspiration of the Almighty gives us understanding. Gives us creativity. Cause men to be able to think logically. To plan, <coughs> to grow, <coughs> to explore, to do all things that animals cannot do. It is the inspiration of the Almighty. The Neshama of God is very powerful. It's what makes scientists scientists. It's what makes the philosophers philosophers. It's what makes the artists artists. It's what makes the banker banker. It, was, it is what makes us successful. It's what inspires us to move on, to go on to greater heights. The inspiration of the Almighty, the Neshama of God. 
Psalm 150 verse 6. Some, many of us know that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But brothers and sisters, this is a powerful verse. It is the last verse in the book of Psalms. And it concluded in this way. And actually, this is the plan of God for every of His created beings. For every person that He has put the breath of life in. What is God's plan? He says, let everything that has neshama praise the Lord. This is the picture of serenity. The picture of peace. A picture of prosperity that God has intended for each and every one of us. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, it's not just calling everything to come and praise the Lord. What actually it means is let every breath be a praise to God. Now, that's a different thing already. Every breath that I take in and I breathe out is a praise unto the Lord. Type in the chat group and say, every breath is a praise. Every breath is a praise unto the Lord. The song that we sang just now, that the worship team led us. The lung that we breathe in, let it sing the praise of God. The breath that we receive, let it sing out the praises of God. And that is God's intention. And so every breath that you take in, every breath that you breathe out, let it be a praise unto the Lord. Can you just imagine how your life will change if you are conscious of that? Let's move on. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 You all know this verse as well. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks unto the Lord, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we always wrestle with this verse and say, how can a person pray without ceasing? When you sleep, you cannot pray already, huh? So we cease praying already. But something about Paul when he wrote this, I think he has more of the Jewish understanding of praying without ceasing. It's more like the humble praise unto the Lord as in Psalm 150 verse 6 that we have talked about. But I think it, in the Jewish understanding, in the, in the Talmud, you find that Moses, in Exodus chapter 4 verse 10, now he complained to God, God, I cannot speak. I'm slow of speech. Now, again, here in the English translation, it does not come across very strongly. But what Moses is saying is that I got a problem with my tongue. I am thick tongue. And I have a tongue that is problematic so much so that I have difficulty pronouncing the names of God. 
You see, when you pronounce the names of God in the Hebrew language, all the names that have been revealed so far were basically the use of the tongue. Adonai, use your tongue. Elohim, use your tongue. So to overcome that problem of just using your tongue in pronouncing the name of God, God doesn't want His name to be pronounceable. You don't have to use your tongue. It is incommunicable in that sense. So therefore, the first time that God revealed Himself to Moses, when Moses says, what shall I tell the people who have sent me? Which God has sent me? And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, 14 and 15, God says, tell them, I am that I am, have sent you. The Lord God, the Lord, God of your fathers, have sent you. And the name that's given there, and also I don't have, to have time to give you all the references in the Bible, there and many other places where God says, that is my name. What is the name of God? It is, cannot be pronounced actually. It's Y-H-V-H. How do you pronounce? Come on, try to pronounce. All consonants, no vowel. Y-H-V-H. Pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Jehovah, J-H-V-H. How do you pronounce that? You can't pronounce it with your tongue. So Moses, no excuse with your tongue anymore. But this time, you're going to use your breath. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you don't use your tongue. Even those tongue-tied people. It's your breath. It's your breath. So you find that, you know, God was in such a marvelous way that even the pronouncing of His name requires our breath. In other words, every breath that we breathe out, let it speak the name of God. Every breath is a praise. Every breath is a prayer unto the Lord. Oh. That's why we can say, Nishama, breath of Yahweh, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Let every breath that I breathe out be a praise, be a prayer. They will speak the name of Almighty God. You have to move on. It's not just Nishama, the breath of God but also the breath of Jesus. We'll consider, for example, what happens between Jesus' last breath on earth and the first breath of His resurrection. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
and having said this, and having said this, he breathed his last. Now, of course, you know that the New Testament is written in Greek, not Hebrew anymore, but in Greek. But the word pneuma in Greek, P-N-E-U-M-A, is the equivalent of neshama in the Old Testament. So when Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he breathed his last. The spirit and the breath, again here, always related to each other. Now Jesus lived until about 33 years old. And by that time, he would have breathed about 280 million breaths. Now for us, in an average lifespan of about 70 to 80 years, we would have breathed about 800 million breaths. Jesus breathed about 280 million breaths, and the Bible says, and then he breathed his last. For every one of us, there will be our last breath. Even the Son of Man, even the Son of God, breathed his last. John 19.30, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Remember in Job, he says, the spirit returns unto the Lord. The neshama returns unto the Lord. He gives and he takes. He gave up his spirit. Now in the case of Jesus, he says, I lay down my life willingly. Nobody takes from me. I lay down my life. So he gave up his spirit willingly, submissively unto the Father. The Father receives it back. The neshama, the pneuma was received back. And then what happened? Three days later, the Father breathed life into the body of Jesus Christ again. And there was resurrection. The neshama, the pneuma of God came upon Jesus Christ. And then John chapter 20 verse 22. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The last breath of Jesus Christ, he gave it up willingly. The Father breathed back life into him. And now, in John 20, 22, is a re-enactment of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When God breathed upon mankind, Jesus here breathed upon the disciples and gave life to them. Adam wasted that life. Adam received that life, the breath of God, but he wasted it and sinned. But Jesus Christ did not waste it at all. The last Adam for us, he breathed life into each one of us. And in this life, we have healing. In this life, in this resurrection power, we have power, we have life. We have abundance. We have the Zoe life because He breathed on us. Then there is the Holy Spirit as well. Breathe into me, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now the Neshama, the Numa is getting closer to us. It's not just God breathing unto us, but now into us. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within us. Dwell within us. 
to reside within each and every one of us. As Jesus says in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what happens when the breath of God is residing within you this time in the form of the Holy Spirit. You have life, life that is powerful, life that is overcoming, life that is like rivers of living water that will flow in each and every one of us. Today, let's pray that the breath of Jesus, the breath of the Holy Spirit, the nation of God, breathe on us that we may live the kind of life that He wants us to live. But many of us face challenges in life. We pray, breathe again. Breath of life. Breathe on me. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 11, there were the two witnesses. They died. Because of their prophecies and as their witness unto God. They died. And it was telecast live on Zoom, on WebEx, on every social media. And everybody saw the two dead witnesses. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered into them. And they stood up on their feet. And great fear fell on all those who saw them. The Neshama, the Numa of God, came upon them. Caused them to live again. Let me close with 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17 to 22. There was the miracle that God had performed through Elijah. A poor widow, a poor, you know, a, a lonely woman and she was ready to die. Because of the famine, because of the drought and all those things, you know, she, was, she, she got nothing left in her house. And there was one last meal before she, gave, she would die. But God performed a miracle and the cruise of oil and multiplied. She was able to pay all her debts and all that. Not only that, God blessed her with a son. But later on, the son died. And this is what happens. The son died. Uh, can we have the previous verse? The son died. Became ill. And his... Okay, in verse 17, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And the word breath is again, neshama. The neshama was no longer in him. And he died. And the woman began to accuse Elijah of all kinds of things. One moment she was enjoying the provision of God, another moment the son died and she was accusing the man of God. And Elijah came before God and begged God and cried out to God, God, give back that breath of life. Give back that breath of life to this child. And God answered. Bible here says, you know, let this child's life come into him again. God listened and the child lived. The breath of life came back. I don't know what your situation is. There may be situations in your life whereby the breath of God has left. Whereby you are facing difficulties. I'm not talking about literal death. But there is death even in your, in your life, in your situation. And, and you, are, you are in a very hopeless situation. You know? And the only thing that can bring back 
The joy of the Lord, the peace and the power and the, and the victory of the Lord is the breath of life. God, breathe again the breath of life into this child, into this business, into this relationship, into this situation. Like Elijah, who just depended on God totally for that breath of life to come again. Is that your situation? Neshama. Let's reach out unto the Lord and say, Breathe. Breathe on me. Let's pray even right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We'd like to come before the Lord. I believe God for miracles even this morning. Just like that widow who felt so helpless. A grief Disappointed Nothing to live for anymore Her hopes broken That's when we have to cry out Breathe on me again, O oh Lord I have some of you are in that situation When the doctor Pronounced the result of the medical test Terminal illness you feel like the breath of life has left you. When your business failed, when you couldn't collect the debts that were owed to you from your business dealings, when things collapsed under you, oh, Neshama, breathe on me again. Let's come before the Lord and believe Him for that miracle, shall we? And now let us pray, especially for those people who have breathing problems. You have asthma problem. You have lung problem. Tumor in the lung. Or whatever it may be. You have breathing problems. We are going to believe God for a miracle of healing today That you will breathe again Shall we all stand together right now? Hallelujah Hallelujah If you have that need before the Lord You are crying to God Neshama Breathe on me Breathe on my situation If that is you Just raise your hands unto the Lord as we pray before we close And even those of you who are joining us online Raise that hand unto God. God can touch you right where you are. Heal you of all that breathing problem and just cause His neshama to come upon you and your situations once again. Let's all pray. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Just lift up your hands unto the Lord. Totally depend on God like Elijah. Oh, totally depend on God. For the nation to come, hallelujah. It is within you right now. But so many times we allow situations to cloud him out of your life. Reach out to him right now. Nation, breathe on me, oh God. And now, dear Lord, you see all these many raised hands, dear God. We come before you in humility, dear Lord. And even in desperation, the Lord, you will just do your work within each and every one of us right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Oh, 
receive it right now. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and breathe in the power of God. Yahweh is here. He is a personal God. He knows what you are going through. He's reaching out in love and in power towards you. He knows your heart's cry. He knows your struggle. He knows everything. And He's with you. He's with you right now. Receive the Neshama out of God. The touch of the breath of God upon your life and situation. Let it be turned around, your God. I speak that miracle into every life right now. And now, dear Father, I ask your God, Yahweh, oh, Jehovah Rapha, you will touch and heal every person who is sick here and online, dear God. In the name of Jesus, receive the healing touch of God. I speak to all those who have asthma. In the name of Jesus, bring healing that they will breathe and breathe well again, dear God. In the name of Jesus, touch that lung, dear God. Clear it, dear Lord. In the name of Jesus, let healing come. Yes, dear Lord, we will depend upon Neshama, upon the breath of life that you are giving to us right now. Upon every situation, you will breathe new life. You will breathe new life into our situation, into our relationship. Lord, that we are committing to you even right now. We claim it. We give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, Amen.